Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Volley, as always, after a very busy day one of the NHL draft for the Colorado Avalanche. They make a trade and they make some picks, and I, I really think I'm a fan of all three. They trade the second round pick they got yesterday for Alex Newhook, 37th overall, to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Ross Colton. Just a great move that we're going to go into full detail about. But they go into day one of the draft with two first-round picks because they held on to both of them in the Colton trade. And to a little bit of surprise, they use both. And they get two players that I'm I'm a fan of. They get Colin Ritchie and Mikhail Guliaev, which I think are two very strong picks. We'll get into all of those in a little bit, but let's start with Ross Colton. I think I really underestimated just how fucked Tampa was cap-wise. This is a great steal for the Avalanche, only giving up the 37th overall pick. And not only a guy who makes them better right now instead of Alex Newhook, a guy who's probably going to be on this team for a minute. I love this so much. Dude, we talked about it yesterday where it's like, it's going to be a trade that no one is expecting. And no, like, like you just said, we should have expected this. Because when you, like you said, you look at Tampa's um, cap situation, they had to offload them. It's just the abs are so tight-lipped about everything. You just have no idea what they're going to do. And it's just one of those trades where what is like your realistic expectation for him? Because he has been kind of stuck on like the third line with um, with Tampa Bay. I almost said Carolina for some reason. I don't know why. But do you think his role can expand here with the abs? Absolutely. I 100% think it's going to. And whether it's on the second line or on the third line, he's going to be one of those guys, maybe like an Arturi Lekkanen, that can just really fit anywhere into the lineup. I'd say if I have to dig into one maybe question, is that he played maybe a little more on the wing in Tampa than he did at center, but center is his natural position. He's going to switch back there, I think, with really no problem. And he's the kind of player that I think fits exactly what the Avalanche are trying to do. I think Jared Bednar is going to be one of the happiest people as a result of this trade, considering what Ross Colton can bring just a dog around the net and going to be something that the Avalanche are going to be finally getting back without Gabe Landeskog in the lineup is putting Ross Colton there in front of the net is going to be something that agitates teams a lot. And a lot of the raw numbers and points might not be there, but the more you really dig into a lot with him, he's one of the most efficient players in the NHL. And I believe he is 100% going to blossom here. And depending on what that contract looks like, because he is an RFA that they have to sign, again, it's a guy who hasn't scored a ton of points. It's not going to be a massive contract. A lot of projections have this around, around 3 million bucks for probably around four-ish years. That, like, that's just fantastic if that's the deal that can be signed here. That's a cheap center option who fits with this team and their timeline and is going to be here for a while. Like, there are just so few downsides to this move. He's already playoff proven. 
He's like, scored a Stanley Cup winning goal. Yeah, like he's played in high intensity situations. It is, it's just a really solid. Like both moves the Avs have made so far to start this offseason are just moves where you go, that was good business. You take advantage of a team trying to offload something, and you give, in the case of Ryan Johansson, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then you give the 37th pick away for a player that you traded away earlier that day. Yep. Like th- th- that's just good business. Yeah. It's, it's, I think a lot of Avs fans may think of this as a little bit of an underwhelming move. And it's, they won't, it, it's they, not, they it's will not, not the swing that. though. It's not the big swing and everyone wants the big fucking swing. But Honestly, what the Avs have done is they are already three deep in center now. Three deep. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this is. And people who feel that like, oh, this isn't a very big swing, your tune's going to change. Ross yeah. Colton is going to be a guy who fits so unbelievably well here. Like for the people that love punching faces and hitting people on the boards, Colton plays a big game. He's a physical presence. He's not Ryan Reeves, but he's not going to take any shit. He's a tough player. And I mean, him and Logan O'Connor got in a fight in game three. of the Stanley. <laughs> yeah. I always I'm, wonder, like, do you think that's going to be weird for them the first time they I, see each other? I think they'll get over it. I think yeah, I know, but like, how would you feel like if me and you got in like a physical fight, which we never would one, because you'd kick my ass, but two, I just, also, I mean, that I, we'd have to go out of our way to do that. I mean, you're, yeah. you're in another time zone. <laughs> I, that would have to be really personal for me to track you down. Keep making Curtis McDermott jokes, bro. And I'm fucking coming for you. No, I'm kidding. But that's got to be so weird, right? That just has to be so weird when you literally like you fight each other. And then all of a sudden you're on the same team and you're going to be like best friends. Like it's, it's got to be weird. I mean, but if, also if, it's dudes. If it was a good fight, I'd respect it. Honestly, yeah. give him a good little handshake. If, as long as he didn't punch me in the back of the head, be like, yeah, good fight. Now we're teammates. Yeah. Let's go punch people together. But even still, getting back to it, this is a guy who was a little bit of a late bloomer, Had came into the league at 22 years old, and he finished this year with 16 goals, 16 assists, also had 188 hits, positive in the faceoff dot. He's a guy who's very good at driving play offensively and uses a lot of that physicality to be disruptive when he's on the forecheck. Defensively, he's not the best. There's still a lot of work to do in that area, but I think coming into the AV system, it's going to help him out quite a bit you don't need every single player you get to just be this super underrated defensive stalwart but for a guy who's going to be playing second and third line minutes on this team i'm telling you it's not going to be very long before people are like how did we let the abs get away with this again for the 37th overall pick we let them do this again well this is all this all goes back to tampa being too aggressive with their draft picks because if they don't make that trade for tanner Janot. I don't think they do this trade. No, there's no chance. Tanner Janot trade has genuinely screwed them in so many ways. And I still cannot for the life of me understand why they made that deal. The immense package that they gave up for him. What was it? Five, six draft picks. And now he's an RFA that they have to sign. Like you can't let that guy go after you gave up that package. You have to double down. And that leaves a guy like Ross Colton, who's been a very good trooper for them in their bottom six, just kind of blocked by the amount of talent that Tampa has in their top six that forces him as a valuable, probably a cheaper end player to be a cap casualty for them for only one draft pick. I mean, 37 is that insignificant, but for Ross Colton that like, I saw that I was at my desk at work and like rocking back and forth, trying <laughs> not to like squeal. Cause I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me with Dude, this. 
I fucking told myself last night, I, I guess two nights ago on what's today, Wednesday, Wednesday, yeah. when we're recording this on Tuesday night, I was like, I need to go to bed early because I don't want to wake up and miss all those things. I fucking stayed up till 3 a.m. So I fucking slept it till fucking 1030 today. And I was like, oh, fuck, I missed all this already. Like, I can't even fire off a funny tweet or anything like that. But it's it's just one of those trades that it's not the sexiest name or the biggest name on the market, but it's just a player who's going to fit exactly what the abs need. And for the first time since we won the cup two years ago, we actually have center depth. Oh, like, do we ever? Like, we actually have center depth. This is good center depth too. Ryan Johansson and Ross Colton, if that ends up being the order with Nathan McKinnon at the top, like that's just fantastic value. And again, we kind of brushed over this at the very beginning. The Avs have turned Alex Newhook and Alex Galchenyuk's UFA signing rights into Ryan Johansson at 50% retained, Ross Colton, and now Mikhail Guliaev at the 31st overall pick. That's phenomenal. That is absolutely spectacular business to sell high on Alex Newhook right now and just go get Ryan Johansson for nothing. See a guy like Ross Colton, target him, get him for cheap, bring him in here. A guy that is, I'm telling you, people are going to love him here. He's going to be a good, cheap fit on this team for, I think, at least three to four seasons. He has one year left until UFA. I don't think we we really have to worry about that. He's going to be a guy who gets in people's faces, but also has the talent to put pucks in the net and give the abs what they were sorely missing in the Seattle series, which is good, solid depth. And also a guy that if the need arises, you can throw into your top six. Yeah. And the thing with it too, is you look at the the money, right? We still have to wait for the Ross Colton extension. Like we, we have to wait for that. But if it's what you were saying, you paid 7 million for two pretty solid centers. Like that's really like we talked about how bad this free agency class is. That's probably what you're going to have to pay O'Reilly for one to two years. Yeah. Like that's probably a little high. O'Reilly's probably going to get like 5.5 to six, but you're basically, you're getting two players for the price of one essentially. And now you still have money to go sign a fourth line center and you still have a lot of money to go. Like this opens the door for the Byram extension. And also guess what you don't have to do next year. Center shopping because now you're pro you're probably locking up Colton. I can't imagine it's less than two years. I can't imagine this is a one year yeah. deal. That just doesn't make a lot of sense. But Ryan Johansson, it's two more years. Ross Colton, probably three to four on that next contract. Now you're not talking about centers next year unless one of them like flames out or gets hurt or something. But now you're addressing your center depth, not just for this year but in the future as well. And that's one of the things we've talked about this entire offseason is if you get a center, it would really help to make this more than just a one-year solution. This, These are solutions that help this team now and in the future, and both of them bring skills to the table that are going to make the Avalanche better in just so many ways. These are not the sexiest names, but like it, it kind of reminds me of the Lekkonen deal in a way. Lekkonen wasn't the sexiest name, but he was the right one. And yeah. I think Colton is very much in that same vein. Like, yeah, he's not Elias Lindholm. He's also not going to cost a first, a prospect, and then he got to extend him for eight million bucks. You're talking about a guy you gave up a second round pick you didn't even have 48 hours ago for, and a guy who's probably I, I'd be surprised if he even hit four million dollars on his next contract. This is the right move for the Avalanche to make. It's the right move, but I was really like, 
part of me was holding on to the fact that we still had those two first round picks. And if we could have gotten Elias Lindholm for one year, could you imagine having four lines with your centers being McKinnon, Lindholm, Johansson, and fucking Russ Colton? Be gross. I mean, you would like, you probably wouldn't even have any wingers at that point, but like who needs them? With with centers like that, who really needs wingers at that point? You could probably oh. you could probably throw Galchenyuk out there and be fine. Yeah, it, it, he, it, there was part of me still holding on to that, but like you said, this is what the Abs do. Like I, I I don't know why I allow myself to think that they're going to go after the big sexy name because that's just not what they do. They're smarter than that. They know what they're doing. They know the player they target. And they got both of them. I imagine both these guys were at the top of the list of players that they wanted when they went into it. And I'm really mad at myself that we didn't see this Ross Colton thing coming. Like yeah. we just totally forgotten about Tampa. I, mean, I, I looked at it and I even thought about it, but I was like, no, Tampa's too smart for that. I think they'll they'll find a way to to keep a guy like Ross Colton. It just it didn't even cross my mind as a possibility. I I guess I just really didn't realize how genuinely screwed they were cap wise and like they just it seems like every year they're slowly giving away more and more players until eventually the salary cap's just going to consume them entirely yeah because they got rid of mcdonough last year and yeah McDonough uh, last year they lost palat and now they're going to lose Kalorn this year they've already lost colton like they're, they're, but that's the thing like wouldn't you with how smart they are wouldn't it make more sense to let alex Kalorn, an aging veteran walk out the door and resign a younger player no, they they are letting Kalorn go out the door too, and they're also losing Ross Colton. Oh, that's, they didn't even have cap space for either of them. That's how fucked they are. They've oh, got Jesus! Them. I mean, they, they I heard they tried to offer Kalorn a long term deal at a lower cap hit to try to keep him, but it didn't work. And I mean, they still. I'm, I'm not saying Tampa's going to be bad at all anytime soon, no. but I'm also saying you're paying Mikhail Sergachev eight and a half million dollars and Eric Chernak five point two. I think that Sergachev one is going to age well. He was really good last year. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I think eight and a half is a little rich, but he definitely took a big step last yeah, year. Yeah, he was so awesome this year. It's going to make that a lot more palatable. Chernak at 5.2, we'll see. Yeah, I. Yeah, Chernak's one of those ones that dude just blocks all these shots and then he just ends up breaking his foot all the time, it right. seems. It's like <laughs> you're like great at blocking shots, but like there's. Those, uh, There's consequences to pay. Yeah, that so, thing is heavy and is being shot at 80 miles an hour at minimum. Yeah, I was going to ask like what we should do for a preview for like what they should do for us of free agency, but we should save that for another episode because we got more stuff to talk about. But how much would you estimate the abs are going to have left after all these contracts? I mean, you can look at basically what they have right now. They have about 15.5 left in cap space. Let's say they spend three and a half on Ross Colton. That brings them to probably around 12 even to fill out a second line left wing. I probably both of your wings on your third line and a fourth line center along those lines and uh, a sixth defenseman. Probably help if I had a more visual look at it right now. I can very quickly try to pull that up. But I think that it's going to be tight for sure, especially if you want to start signing better players in free agency. But I... I think they're going to be fine, especially with a Ross Colton move like this. Yeah. So they've got three centers taken care of. They have the extra forward in Olafson. They have O'Connor on the fourth line. Probably you have to fill out your bottom six still and sign an extra defenseman with about $12 million. I mean, it's not the most impossible task in the world, especially if you're going out there and you're finding good value. I think this is going to be a very good looking team in two weeks. 
yeah, I can't wait. I, I want to just fast forward now to next week. That's really what I want to do. Well, wait, doesn't it start this weekend? Yeah, JK, yeah. it starts this weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, if we're going to do a free agency preview, we're going to have to do another extra episode. It's on friggin' Saturday. Yeah, we may have to do one. Yeah, We'll figure that out. That's the future us problem. Future us problem. It's like almost midnight right now for me. Yeah. I'm worry about that later. But even still finishing up on Ross Colton, the fact that you got him for the 37th overall pick and you didn't even have to touch your first round picks and were able to use both of them, is it's such a win on both sides of the coin. You're able to get prospects that you identified and liked late in the first round with Richie and Guliaev and get a player like Ross Colton, who's also, again, very good in the faceoff dot, who finished last year at around 55% in the faceoff dot, I believe 56% actually in the faceoff dot. And between that and Ryan Johansson, it's addressing a problem we've had with this team for a little bit that they can't win a fucking draw. And they're still not going to win draw. They're still not going to win draw, but at least gives them a slightly better chance than it did before. But again, Colton is going to be just a real pest in front of the net. Not great defensively, but a solid play driver on offense. Physicality is going to be something that everyone likes. I know a lot of the point totals aren't there, but I really think you throw this guy into the AV system. I think the potential is there to see if it like a Lekkinen like breakout from him point wise, because a lot of the underlying stuff is there. And even the finishing is there. It's just sometimes with the role and how it's constantly changing in Tampa, it's not even like he was bad there. He did all parts of his job seemingly so well. And it's almost surprising that his point totals are even as uninspiring as they are, I guess you can say. But I I really like this move. I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here at the end of next season talking about like a 20-goal season from Ross Colton or something along those lines, upwards of 40, 45-ish points. I, I really think we can see something like that from him. And again, it's only going to be his fourth year in the NHL. The guy was definitely a late bloomer, but came in in his first year. Or was it his first year? It was his first year, came in, scored a Stanley Cup winning goal in his first playoff. And when you get to the playoffs, Ross Colton's going to be a guy that you like having on your team. Oh, dude, I fucking hated the guy before he became before he became a member of the Avs. Like, he was such a pest. And now we have one of those guys on our team. And I agree. I, I think I think 15 goals is probably more realistic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's around where he's been in the past. Yeah. He, scored, he scored 22 last year and 16 this season. So he scored 22? The season before, the year they lost to us, he scored 22. And last, he scored, last year, he scored 16. So I think 20 goals is very much in the question. For Dude, him. I did not know he scored that much. Yeah, he's a, talented, he's a talented player. I think this is such a great value move that... Is he going to be this huge, like he turned into a 60, 70 point guy? I don't think so, but you don't, no. you don't need him to be. No, you I, have 200 point scores already right there. And then an 85 points from your fucking defenseman. You don't need that. You need a guy who can go out there and at least be a threat offensively. Yes, that a is threat. exactly, that's exactly it. When you get to the playoffs last year, it, what were both of us on our hands and knees asking for someone to even be a threat on the ice not even you don't even have to score just be a threat to score ross colton is 100 going to be that this is a guy who is extraordinarily competitive and is going to bring a lot of edge and talent to the game this is this is a move we're all gonna love yeah without a doubt we're going to love it and i just it's weird because it's 
it, it's almost like, I don't know if you feel this way. Cause I kind of feel this way. The, like, why couldn't we do this at the deadline, but also at the deadline? I don't well, know if any of these players were available. They were. So it's I mean, different. But the, pred- the Predators were still in the hunt for a playoff spot, and Tampa was not going to be selling. Well, and also fucking Johansson had a fucking torn Achilles at that yeah, point. I mean, and he so, got slashed by a skate. He wasn't available. Tampa was trying to win a Stanley Cup, hence the Janot trade. Yeah. Also, this is totally off topic, but um, I'm going to jinx it just because I fucking hate the Yankees. Uh, apparently, they're one inning away from throwing a perfect game. Good. So I want to jinx it. So if I don't jinx it, I'm sorry, but I just saw that flash up on sports center. Had to say that. I hope for your sake now they do that. <laughs> but one of the big things, like I mentioned about this trade is that the avalanche did not touch any of their first round picks with it. And they were able to keep the 27th and the 31st overall pick. And maybe in a surprise in itself, they kept both. And they used both of them, and they drafted with both of them, did not trade for a player, did not trade back. They just straight up held on to them and used them. And with the 27th overall pick, they drafted Callum Ritchie. And with the 31st overall pick, they drafted Mikhail Gulyayev. We can start with Callum Ritchie. This was one that when they made it, I was a little more excited, did a little more research, cooled off on it a little. Now I feel like I'm in a happy medium where it's like, this feels like kind of a safe pick. I think Richie has a lot of tool sets to be an NHL center. And a lot of people are going to point to the fact that, oh, he's big. He's got, he's 6'2", and big center means automatically that he's good. I don't know about that, but he's a very smart player, and he's a pretty decent skater and can do a lot of things on the ice. It's just sometimes that skill isn't always there. But the one part for me that gives me hesitation on like, oh, this is probably just a third line guy is he played this entire season in the OHL with the Oshawa generals on a bad team and with a pretty bum shoulder injury for the majority of the year, still finished at a point per game. I think there's more to give here with Colin Ritchie. He kind of fell into the Avs lap by falling in the draft a little bit. This was a guy when the draft board started to come out was a top 10 pick and Over the course of the season, as he dealt with more injuries, slowly fell, fell all the way to 27. I'm okay with the gamble. I think he has a high floor, but I don't think the ceiling is going to be like, you can pencil this guy in a second line center in four years. Well, no, the thing is, though, is when you're drafting at 27, you're just looking for honestly a top, like a, a, a top, what is it? 12 forward. Like if you can get someone who can consistently play for your team, that's a win. Um, but like you said, looking at the rankings, I'm actually kind of floored by some of them. I mean, the daily faceoff has him at 13 eliteprospects.com had him at 14. Like these aren't like no name ranking sites. Yeah. Uh, the lowest, the lowest he was, was 33 by smart scouting. Um, so it is a, it, it, I think it's a safe play. I, I, I think they did exactly what you tweeted out on the teledevs Twitter. Like it, it, it's a safe pick. It was the best player on the board, and they went with it. Yeah, I think it's just that it was the best player on the board, and you're getting good value at that pick. Because I think even worst-case scenario, this is a guy who I think is going to play in the NHL someday. I don't think we're going to look at this seven, eight years from now and be like, dude, remember Colin Ritchie? What the hell was that pick all about? I think this is going to be a guy that's going to play. Does he have super high upside? I think he needs to prove that this season. I think... There's a lot of there's a lot of criticism that 
he hasn't reached his full potential and he still needs to show more. But a lot of people were disappointed with some of his performances when he had to go out there and play. But you also have to factor in that he did have to really force himself through a lot of this injury with his shoulder to go out there in his draft year, because you really can't take your draft year off. If you can lace up and play, it affects the rest of your life to go out there and make an impact, get in front of the scouts. Cause if you miss the entire season, you're talking about really falling in the draft. And yeah, so- I mean, he, like you said, he's, he's a big dude. Like I imagine his frame's going to fill more. I wouldn't be shocked if by the time he comes to the NHL, he's like, 200 205 pounds like he's a big dude that's a big frame to fill out um did they say anything about what his plans are is he going to sign immediately is he going to stay in junior for another year i mean when it comes to a late first round pick you imagine he's going to stay in the ohl another year i i would not expect to see richie even sniffing this roster for at least three to four seasons then there's no rush that's why i'm shocked they made the picks man that's really why i'm shocked they made them I mean, that's also the thing is like they do need to refill the prospect pool and they do need to start getting some guys in here and developing a little more. It's also like it doesn't mean they can't make trades. I was a little surprised that they kept both of them and did not trade back for either. The trading back thing is like if you feel like a player high on your list is going to be available early, mid second round, you go and do that. But it's like McFarland was saying after the draft is sometimes when you have two first round picks like you do in this situation. that's where those guys are going to be that you have high on your draft boards and you don't need to go out there and acquire a second or a third pick as well. And his exact quote about trading 27 or 31 from McFarland, this is from Peter Ball saying you gauge interest, but if you've got a bunch of guys in your cluster, it was pretty easy to see that they were going to have guys we had higher on our list. It wasn't something we spent a whole lot of time thinking about. So it seems like they, they were able to target these guys. They identified them. And for Colin Ritchie, there's there's gonna be a lot, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. There's no question about that. But again, late first round pick. Pretty much all players at this point have a lot of work to do in order to become full-time NHL players. I don't know enough about him to be like, yeah, this guy's totally gonna be a top six center. Yeah, this guy's going to be a bust. But based on everything that I've seen, I think he has the tool sets to do it. I don't think he has a super high ceiling, but I do think this is an NHL player eventually. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it feels like I agree that you got to restock the prospect pool, but the time to win is now. So I can see why some people would be a little like disheartened by it. But but... it's it's also my counterpoint to that is you did make a move today with one of the draft picks you acquired and got Ross fucking Colton with it and didn't even have to touch your first round picks. I almost see having two first round picks as just kind of house money at that point. You get to go and we'll talk about this guy in a second. You get to go take a swing on a guy like Guliaev, who has a lot of high potential and a lot of skill and just go and have that guy in your system because you already got your guy. And I don't think like there's there's obviously a plan here. They're going to fill out the rest of this roster. They can still make trades, but right. they probably also identified a lot of guys on the free agent market that they're going to go out and get instead without having to give up assets. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's tough to like have this conversation when literally like probably in five days, I'll look like an idiot for saying that because we'll sign people and be like, oh, how come we didn't see that? How come we didn't see that? But 
it, it was a little surprising that they did uh they did draft both, but I think the biggest loser of that is the Eagles because I don't think either of the players are gonna play for them for a while. Yeah, I mean probably <laughs> not. I mean Richie, I think he's gonna play out his time in junior hockey and then he's gonna come to the Eagles in a couple of years and he's gonna work on his development over there. It's just everything about this guy from what I've seen screams he's going to be good. I don't know if he has what it is to be great, but it's also if you're getting a guy who's going to play middle six minutes in the NHL at 27th overall, that's a lot better than a lot of teams can even end up saying at this point, you're getting a guy who is probably going to be a, a regular in the NHL eventually, maybe not a super high guy. But again, the thing with the shoulder injury gives me a little bit of pause on that because coming into the season, this was a guy projected who was was projected to go top 10. And an injury really did bust his stock a little bit. So if he can go back to the OHL this season with the Oshawa Generals or anyone else and go and have a super big year, we could be looking at a lot more excitement surrounding this guy. But only time's going to tell on that. Yeah. I How weird is it? Because this really tripped me out when I look at these players draft or like their birthdays and it's 2005. That makes me feel really fucking old, dude. I, rem- I remember back when I graduated high school and I think like the Darlene draft was when I was like, oh, this would have been my draft year. That feels so long ago. now. Yeah, no, dude. I it, One of my favorite things when we talk about these prospects in the draft is like, you've got to remember, these are kids. These would be kids graduating high school around this time. So it's like, was like, oh, he's 5'10", and no, oh, he doesn't do this very well. These kids have a lot to learn a lot of room to grow. And I think that's why when we look at these drafts five to six years down the line, it's like, wow, where did this guy come from? I don't know. Maybe he was a kid when he was 18. And then he learned and developed a lot of his skills and grew into his body. I think that's why you see so many players in late rounds turn into to stars nowadays. Yeah. I, it's just, it it's really tripping me out because I'm looking at these players like, uh, like scouting pages and it's like oh jesus christ this kid was born in 2005 i was fucking 11 years old at this point already (laughs) yeah like it's it's a weird thing to think about but finishing up on richie really quick i think this is a guy like i've said who's going to be an nhl player if he can put a lot more of his skill set together more consistently i think you really could have something here i don't think this is a future star but i think this could be a guy that in a couple of years comes in here and makes a solid impact on this team but again you also have to look at some of these picks remember it's probably going to take 3 to 4 years for them to be on the team and with the contention window that the avalanche are in right now these guys might not ever play here Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN to bet $5 and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or, fit or visit www.1800gambler.net. 
all games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in Connecticut. Help is available for gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per game. Eligible opt-in required. Max bet 50. 10-leg reg for 100% boost. Eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash baseball terms. Now, back to the episode. I guess that's why, because it's you don't trade them now, but if you have to trade them for future players in in other trades at trade deadlines, you have them now. So I, I guess it, that that's another way to look at it. So you're you're convincing me more and more. Yeah, Keep I mean, doing. I mean, at the end of the day, they can still make moves. They can still make trades. But now, at the end of the day, you've added a probably an NHL center with Richie, which the Avs don't have they don't even have a center prospect maybe outside of foodie who even then is still kind of a question mark that you can look at and say that guy's going to play in the nhl someday even if richie is not the highest ceiling of a pick i'm pretty confident this guy's going to play in the nhl and that is still worth something then you go to their 31st pick with mikhail guliaev i love this i i think this is an absolute home run of a pick. This is a guy who we talk about Richie's draft stock kind of fell. Guliaev has really stayed consistent and was a guy who projected to be a first round pick all year. And one of the most skilled defensemen of this draft. A lot of people are going to look at him. Oh, he's 5'10", 172 pounds. It's another small defenseman. The skating on this kid is off the charts. Guliaev I think could be one of the steals of this draft. He can fly out there. And you know what? You you talk like this, you're like, oh, so he's an offensive defenseman who's not going to be very good. No, he's good defensively. He's very smart with his stick. He's got a high hockey IQ. He's very good gapping up. Physicality, yeah, you know, maybe he's a little undersized. But again, 18, give him a second to maybe round out the rest of his game. Dude, 5'10 is, is a – when did that become tiny? I guess when you're talking about NHLers, it's a big deal. But again, two inches. I know two inches is very significant to some guys out there. But even <laughs> still, with Guliaev, even still, like that's he's not that much smaller than a lot of these guys out there. And you don't <laughs> need people into the fifth row in order to be a good defenseman. You got me there, man. That was fucking funny. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I, I think 5'10 is, is not super small. He's 172 pounds. He can easily fill out that frame, get to like 185, 190. And like you said, this dude's skating is insane, man. Like he is going to be a problem in the NHL. Yeah. Like it's one of those ones where I'd say his floor is lower than Richie's, but his ceiling. This could be a pick that you look at in five years. And he said, we really allowed the avalanche to not only acquire this pick, but let this player fall to them where you look at a lot of scout praise for him, they all say the same things. Holy shit, the skating on this guy, the way he can move his feet, the way he moves up the ice in transition, the way he can skate along the blue line, and is not sacrificing the defensive side of the game as well. A very smart defenseman, very good at gapping, and 
is always able to go and make the smart plays and very good at recovery. For a 31st overall pick, I I think this is absolutely phenomenal. It's a player that he is signed in Russia till 2025. So that could be that could be worked around, but you're telling me we could add him in to a four with fucking Bo Byram, Kale McCarr, and potentially Devon Taves. Right. Like, that's fucking gross. And then also the Yankees did throw a perfect game. So okay. well, I, I didn't think that. Good for them. Whoever threw that. I don't even yeah. know baseball at all. But even still, <laughs> when it comes to Gouliab, like I'm like, how long ago was Sean Barron's pick now? Was that three drafts ago? Now two drafts ago? Three years in terms of a late first round pick is is not that long. And also a lot of this stuff can be worked. I know we see all of that and they go, oh my God, this is, this is going to be Kaprizov all over again. This stuff can be worked around. You've got to give it time. Yeah, he's not going to be here for a little bit. You really shouldn't expect him to be. I think this is a guy, if you continue to let him develop and grow into his frame a lot more, and maybe you can bring him over to the organization early. I, I really think you've got something here. I think you bring Guliaev in and he, I think without question, immediately becomes your best defensive prospect. Yeah, he becomes that. And then also we're already forgetting because it happened before the season ended, but they have signed like what, two or three college free agent defensemen too. So their defenseman in the AHL and in the junior ranks is replenished as well. Like, yeah. And you add, you add Fairbrother in the new hook. Right. Well, now all of a sudden, I don't know if Fairbrother's ever going to be anything in the NHL, but even still, it helps the Eagles out at the very least to have a defenseman with Fairbrother's caliber. And now you're adding someone like this into the draft as well. You're, you're, I think you're really cooking something here. Yeah, it, it's it's just for me, especially when you're picking at 31 or this late in the first round, take a fucking home run swing. Why yeah, not? That's the thing. Like, that, like, like, who cares? Because is it – I'm not this great with like – because I know in the NFL, if a player is picked in the first round or the second round, they get a different like standard on their contract. Not it's yet. not in the NHL. It's always three years, right? Yeah. it's It can be less, but there's a cap on it at 925, no matter if you're – I mean, what – who's – I forget the name of the first round pick in the NBA, but he's getting like $50 million or whatnot. On oh, yeah. Contract. Yeah, Wimbanyama. Yeah, Wimbayana and Bedard's going to get 925 for three years. Yeah, that's the most yeah. hockey thing fucking ever. Yeah. But it's like with, with Guliaev, it's like you saying, when you have two first round picks like this, swing for the fences. Maybe Guliaev is too small and maybe he's going to get bullied around and not make it too far in the NHL. But there is also a chance that this kid can develop into a real steal and be a big part of your defense. And I've seen a little bit of grumbling that the abs don't really need somebody like this. But when you're talking three to four years down the line, I don't care what they need right now. I mean, you you don't know what this team's going to look like three to four years from now. Yeah, like, you have no idea. Like, yeah, Sam Gerrard is signed for that long. You can't convince me he's still going to be here. We like, I'd love to say Bo Byram's absolutely going to be here, but you can't predict the future. Devontae's could be out the door as soon as next season. Josh Manson, we don't know what's going to happen with him. When it comes to this, you take the best player available and you take these guys with high upside because, yeah, you could draft a winger. But when it comes to a, a player of this caliber, you're going to be grateful that you did. Because even if he doesn't fit, let's say you get to three years from now and he comes over and there's no room for him. You know what you can do? You can trade him and yeah. go and get a player 
right now or at least three years from now that's going to fit your roster. And it just gives you so many more options than when you start laser focusing on, okay, what position do we need to fill out right now? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for it. Um, I completely agree. Like, it's just another piece you can add and you can shuffle out the door if you need to get a player down the road. Like, we have no idea what these players are going to turn into. I mean, you basically just replaced Drew Hellison right there with with this guy for the Josh Manson trade. So it's it's a solid solid draft pick and swing for the fucking fences, man. Who cares? You're the thirty four. You weren't expected to pick here. Swing for the fences. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also teams in the draft that took swings and you're like, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple of teams that definitely took. Uh some swings that are maybe not going to work out all too well for them. Yeah. yeah. But did you have anything else about the abs draft picks? Cause obviously we won't pick again in day two until like way later in the day. Yeah. I mean, because now that we traded that second round pick, I don't think we're picking again until round five and probably not going to be a lot to say on any of the three players that are going to be picked in rounds five, six or seven for this team. But again, Guli, I have, I am, I'm such a big fan of this pick, especially now that I'm more blazer focused on doing more research for him. I I love this pick a lot. I think he's going to be a fantastic addition to this team in the future if they keep him and just a, a solid piece of business that you've turned Alex Newhook into Ross Colton and Guliaev and Fairbrother in the NHL as well. So now you look at their prospect pool. They've added a center that you can pretty confidently say is going to be in the NHL someday with his skill set and a very high-end prospect with Guliyev on defense. The two most important positions they've added important pieces to to their prospect pool. Should they have traded these picks? That depends on what the plan is for the rest of the offseason. They can still go and make trades, but if they've identified these players as guys that are going to come in and help, I'm, I'm going to trust their vision because the last 48 hours for this team have been nothing short of phenomenal. It makes me kind of bummed that we're not going to be able to just do this all off season. It's like yeah. we got to really enjoy this week because it's going to be, um, it's going to be real dead here soon. But man, they are making just some really solid moves. And I, this is the part that sucks is we do all this and now we're going to have to wait fucking five months to <laughs> to watch this team. Oh, four months. Like it, I'm excited. I want the season to fucking start tomorrow, dude. Like I'm ready to go. But it's, it, it's really exciting and. Do you think when we look back on this offseason, are people going to be like, oh, they fucked up? Or do you think it's going to be a home run? Based on what they've done so far, this has been much better than last offseason, without question. <laughs> yeah, And they've already addressed their biggest need, which was center, by getting Ryan Johansson for free and then selling high on Newhook in order to get Ross Colton at a massive bargain. And they've made two picks that I like. So yeah, maybe they didn't do what I thought they were going to do. But again, this is an incomplete process right now. It's hard to judge these moves in a vacuum because there are other things that still need to fall in place before you really judge should they have traded these picks. Because I like the picks that they made. If they really reached on a lot of them, I would have been like, you probably should have traded some of these back. But they got players that you can argue fell in the draft that they probably shouldn't have gotten at all. And... I get. I just really like where they're positioned right now, and 
I'm very excited to see what they've got planned for the future over the next couple of days. The next couple of days are going to be super fun and I cannot wait for them. Yeah. I was surprised at the lack of trades today. This was the first draft. I think Saravalli tweeted sent. This was the first draft since 2007 where there were no trades in the first round, like of any kind at all, not even a trade up or a trade back or player getting moved or anything like that. You would think this of all drafts, this would have been one. I think we both expected it to be, and we both, we both overhyped it and nothing fucking happened. It was just all draft picks. I think I think it was last year's draft that got in my head where you had the Kirby Doc trade. Yeah. And, um, you had the 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 Romanov trade. Romanov, yep. All the trading up and trading down where it's like, well, this is an even crazier draft. You know, it's like the, the Habs are talking about trading down for for Mishkov. And, you know, what 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 are teams going to do with Mishkov if he starts to fall on everything? And with all the guys at the top, like and there's so many good players, people are going to trade. And it's just everyone's content to kind of just stay still. But that also might mean day two. When day one sucks, day two is usually pretty good. Yeah, I'm fully prepared for day, day two to be just absolutely insane. I'm fully prepared for that. But let's let's talk about the rest of the draft because it obviously Connor Bedard went first. I, I think that was a, a reach. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was definitely no, the, the 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 Chicago went with the best player of this draft by a long shot. And I hate it, but I think he's going to be really good there. And I think Chicago is going to be good here in like four or five years. And we're really both going to be like, fuck this shit, dude. Yeah. Um, but the surprise, I mean, even after talking to Adam, I was like, okay, good. Fantilli's going to go to the Ducks. They end up going with Leo Carlson, which I'm not going to call it a bad pick. Cause like we just said earlier, this kid's literally fucking 18 years old. We have no idea what he's going to be. I just personally thought Fantilli was the better prospect. And here's the thing. I've also I watched a lot of Michigan hockey this year. So obviously I'm gonna think that Fantilli's the better player, but I don't know. What what were your thoughts on Leo Carlson going to? I mean, Leo Carlson is going to be a fantastic NHL player. This is not gonna be a bust or a reach or anything like that. But Adam Fantilli, I think, has the potential to be close to a, a player that can help turn around a franchise. I think Leo Carlson can come close to that, but just to pass on Fantilli, like I I was stunned honestly, because yeah. I think a lot of Leo Carlson is being based on a very short sample size where he was very dominant for Sweden in the world championships. This season was one of their best players, was very good in the world juniors and everything like that, and was very good playing with men. But Adam Fantilli has been so dominant for so long that I think sometimes you can get caught in like what happened in the most recent tournament. You fucking nailed it on the head there, dude, because it's the same thing that happened with Slavkowski last year. He was great in the World Juniors, and he flies up the draft boards to number one. And again, it's too early to tell what that kid's going to be, but you look back on that, and it's kind of like that may have been a little bit of a reach, but it's just too early to tell. I just think Fantilli was playing against better competition in, in, in CAAs. Uh, it, I, I just think that the Ducks are going to look back on this and be like, we kind of fucked up, because I... I think like what Adam was saying, Fantilli has a chance to be like a Selkie finalist. Like he's yep. not just offensively good. He's great defensively. And like, and to be fair, Leo Carlson can be that too. And you can definitely make the case that Leo Carlson has a higher hockey IQ than Adam Fantilli and is just much more aware of his surroundings. But Fantilli's more talented at yeah. the end of the day. And I'm always willing to, to make the gamble on that. 
I don't think the Ducks are going to be like, man, what the fuck were we thinking? But I think Columbus got the better player here. Like, oh, yeah. I think Leo Carlson's going to be very good and not, and maybe might even fit what the Ducks are doing a little more because they already have Trevor Zegers at the top of the lineup and everything and getting Leo Carlson as, I don't want to call him a sidekick, but like he's going to be a guy that helps them out a lot. But Fantilli, to, to have the nuts to pass on that talent, like, I think they could have traded back to four and still got Carlson because there were talks that Columbus was going to take Will Smith at three once Fantilli went to the Ducks. If they if they traded back to the Sharks somehow, they probably still could have gotten their guy. It would have been risky for sure. But if you're going to go and take or pass on Adam Fantilli, it might have been worth a shot. Yeah. I mean, I if you're Columbus, this is the dream scenario because you, you still got one of the top two players in the draft, according to majority of scouts. I I was waiting for the footage of Yarmo Kekalainen doing the backflip at his table when the ducks announced Leo Carlson, because they, they fucked themselves in the last week of the season by winning both of those games and putting themselves underneath Anaheim for second worst in the league. Then Chicago wins the draft lottery and then they're pushed out of the top two. And then Fantilli just falls into their lap anyway. I think I think Fantilli is probably going to be the best player in Blue Jackets history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about a line of Fantilli, Goudreau, and Line. That's going to be pretty. Oh, dude, you know what I just remembered though. He has to fucking play for Mike Babcock though. I mean, maybe not yet. We'll see how poorly Mike Babcock goes before Fantilli really comes over to Columbus. So he's probably going to play another year at Michigan, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, that just brings a big bummer on it because yeah. oh, I forgot about that. Like that team could be so fun. And then they're going to have Mike Babcock as the coach. Fuck. Yeah. It's God damn it. It's going to kind of ruin it a little yeah. bit. But for the Blue Jackets. I mean, Fantilli, to be able to get a player that caliber at third in the draft, a guy that in most years is unanimous number one, yeah, is such a great get for the Blue Jackets. I don't want to sit here and be like, what are the Ducks doing? Because I kind of get it. Yeah. But I, th- I think Carlson's going to be fantastic. I just like to to have the nuts to pass on Fantilli, it's, that's a, that can be a tough one. That's but, either going to be a move where we look back on Pat Verbeek and be like, damn, that took balls and that it rewarded the team. Or that's the reason he's going to get fired. Yeah, it's you're you're putting your nuts on the table for sure. You're getting the guy you like, and that's what people warned us about with Pat Verbe coming into this draft. Is he comes from the Steve Eiserman school of not giving a fuck what anyone else thinks, and he's going to go and he get the player that he likes, and then you start to go down the draft a little bit. Fantilli, obviously, Will Smith, obvious pick. I was a little bit surprised the has with Reinbacher, but not really. Then you the can't guy, skip over the part of Carey Price just fucking up and forgetting the entire name. Yeah. Oh, that was bad. Oh, I I cringed so hard. I was like, oh no, care. Oh man. Like he he goes out and he says David, and it's like a 10-second pause, and he just goes, oh. And he looks at Kent Hughes because he forgot his name. Uh, that that's just not fair. Like, give him a fucking card, bro. Right. Like, like you can't like, tell him, like, okay, so you're gonna go up there and you're gonna say David Reinbacher. And if you're Carrie Price, you can't practice it yeah. a little bit. And my favorite part with is that's not it happened twice. Yeah. Hakarene did it too. <laughs> Maybe it's just a goalie thing. <laughs> it is apparently just a goalie thing. He went out there and he said Tanner and he did the he did the uh. 
and he he said Mullendyke, so he actually finished the pick, but it happened again. I yeah. couldn't believe it. I mean, Kent Hughes saved it when he goes, we planned that. So that, that was fun. Like, it added some fun to it, but, dude, I can't I, – I, the pick is – it's kind of getting bailed out. I didn't love that pick for the Habs. I – I thought they I mean going Mitchkov is obviously going to be the one that everyone looks at. Be like, oh, you passed on Mitchkov, but the even could have traded down and probably gotten more assets to draft that guy. See, I, I'm just going to get into it now. Uh, I think the Caps should have traded up with either the Habs or the Coyotes. I think both of those players would have been available yeah. at eight, both Reinbacher and that the Coyotes took Simashev at six. Yeah, that but the Coyotes looked fucking sweet with all of them in those maroon suits. They did. That they, was cool. They looked fucking sick. They spent half of the value of the, the entire franchise on those yeah. suits. And then they went out and reached for, for Simashev, who I think is going to be good. But it's holy reach. shit, at six? You yeah, it's a reach, on, dude. You passed on Mitchkov, Leonard, Dvorsky, Benson for Simashev? I I mean, they, they went out and they got a pretty decent backup plan at 12 and Daniel Boo. But even still, they left Zach Benson and Braden Yeager on the board again at 12. It's that's a rough one, but then you get down to seven and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was sitting on my couch head in my hands. Like there's no way he falls to seven and they're going to take him from me at the last second. But I knew exactly that's exactly what was going to happen in the flyers. Take Mishkov. At seven, one pick before the Caps go. But it's a pretty nice consolation prize. They got Ryan Leonard, who I think is going to be fantastic. Yeah, but Mitchkov is... It's like, I I really like Ryan Leonard. And if Mitchkov was not on the board, that was probably the the pick I liked the most next. But that's just it. Like, I like Leonard, but Mitchkov, he held a seven. He went to the Flyers. That's the worst case scenario. And again... Simashev would have been available at eight. And I think there was a path to trade up. And for whatever reason, it just, it didn't work out that way. And they, they didn't take it. And I can't say, I can't sit here and lie and say, I'm not a little disappointed. It's just one of those things where it's, I, I don't get it from the caps perspective. I, I think they were, they were hopeful that maybe the flyers would pass on him too. I think I think but, that's what it was. I think the Flyers put out an effective smokescreen, and then yeah. it just it didn't make sense for the Flyers to pass on him. That's what I was so afraid of in this draft. I was like, why would the Flyers pass on? Yeah, him? seven. They're, it's the perfect pick for them right now. They're tearing. They're currently tearing it down. Yeah, not, they don't even have a timeline yet. What's three fucking years to them? Yeah, they're like, absolutely going to take that guy. And th- that's the thing is, it's like they're going to get three years of being shitty and high draft picks and add those players into the pool. And then when Mitchkov comes over that, that team's going to be gross if they do it right. If they keep doing what they've been doing. I hate it. I hate it so much because the path was there. I think Reinbacher would have been there. Actually, no, the the Coyotes probably wouldn't have taken Reinbacher, but Simashev would have been there at eight. I, I knew the when the Flyers went up there and was like, they're either taking Ryan Leonard because they're the Flyers and they want another tough guy. But if they're smart, 
they're absolutely going. Yeah, you were missing Chuck Fletcher there. If Chuck Fletcher was still there, you would have definitely had Michigan fall to fall to eight. If if Chuck Fletcher was there, they probably would have taken fucking like Oliver Moore or something. With they would have taken Charlie Strommel for sure. Yeah, seventh. But Danny Briere is kind of looking like a solid GM so far. But it's also really easy to look good when you're literally tearing it down to the stubs. It, it's easy to look good when Matve Michkov through factors entirely outside of your control falls to seven. Yeah. And you're getting arguably the second best player in the draft who skill wise, we're not going to know for a while could be number one. That is just oh, yeah. the insane pendulum of how Matve Michkov's career could go. He could very well be the best player of this draft. And that includes Connor Bedard. He could also never play in the NHL. I don't know, man. He said to his Russian translator that he wants to come to the NHL as soon as possible. So of, I'm definitely going to take his word for that. I mean, of course he did. He just <laughs> like, can you imagine if he got drafted and he goes up there first, first and he's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm still kind of undecided right now. I'm going to go home and think about after getting taken seventh overall. Dude, I just think like, I always think this is what if the translator just lies and just doesn't actually say I, what well, the I mean, there's saying. other, there's other people in the world that understand Russian. I think they would know. Pretty oh, quick. I would have totally bought a Twitter video if someone was like, the translator was lying. Like, here's what, yeah. he, here's what he actually said. He said, Philadelphia is Philadelphia is shithole. Never play. Never yeah. play. Go to Washington. Yeah, I, that that would have been. But you have to imagine Washington was the place he wanted to go. Oh, absolutely. He did not. He did not look super pleased up there. Yeah. Um. But it's. It's one of those ones where I credit to the Flyers. I think that's a really good pick. And in a couple of years, we're going to look back on that and be like, damn, if Mishkov yeah. is a player that we think he is, what the fuck? How did he fall to seven? Yeah, it's like, wow, we really put a lot of stock into three years when most prospects take that long anyway. Yeah. And he's going to come in and be a man and ready to go. Like, yeah. He's just going to be another fucking Caprice off. He's, he's playing against men in the KHL yeah. right now and is destroying them. And you give him three more years of that and three more years to grow into his size. It's a great pick, but you start to go down the rest of the draft. Uh, I got bored quick. This was a sleeper from here on there. Dude. The thing that drove me crazy is it's like, I get it's a TV production and you have to do all this stuff and you have to do the interviews, but when the pick's ready to be made, just fucking announce the pick. We don't need to fucking thank David Poley all 32 fucking times for his fucking great career. The dude never, did he ever win a Stanley cup? No. I mean, I, think, fuck I, up. I mean, Who he cares? won the he won the most games, but I don't I I get the respect. You want to respect a long tenure oh. like David Poyle. Does it need to be at the draft? Can't no. we do this later? And also, like, congrats to David Poyle on a long career. Congrats to Vegas, and thank you to Nat. Like, we're two minutes in, and you haven't announced the pick yet. Can we get to the just announce pick? the fucking pick? I just was, announce I, the pick. I was worried the draft was going to be done at midnight. I, I was worried we were going to get to the Avs pick and I would be falling asleep because it was 10 o'clock and I was like, we are halfway done. Yeah. And then after that, it started to really speed up because people stopped caring. But like when Nashville finally picked at 15, I was like, we are two hours into this draft and we've made 14 picks. Can we pick up the pace? Dude, it's just like, I don't, maybe it's just because I've watched the draft like in past, just like haphazardly. And this was the first one I was actually kind of engaged to watch in. It was like, I, I thought ESPN actually did an okay job with it. Like I, I didn't, I, I had no I problems with it. I think it's really hard to fuck up a draft broadcast. Yeah. And I mean, ESPN has lots of practice because they do the NFL and the NBA. So they kind of know like how to put on a draft. But 
I, I completely agree. Like the interviews and all this shit's like, can we just fucking get like, this do, over with? Do we need Will Smith to sing the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Yeah. Do, I get why Emily Kaplan did that, but I, I was like, did, but it's also like clearly does not want to. Yeah. Like it, it's just that's what I love. Like when I'm watching the second through the seventh round tomorrow, that it'll fly by because they don't give a flying fuck. See, it's it's such a double edged sword because it is the second day is the most boring broadcast on the face yeah. of the planet, but it goes fast. It kind of has to, because you're doing rounds two through seven in the span of six hours. You kind of have to be flying by at that point, but just to, to start finishing up on the draft a little bit um, best, I'd say the winner of day one, Buffalo getting Zach Benson, adding Zach fucking Benson to that team and to that prospect core is like, you've got to be kidding me. What like they just, they, after so many years of never being able to do anything right, the last like calendar year for the Sabres has just been spectacular for them. And on top of that, they're, they have Benson followed them at 13 in this draft. And this is a guy who scored 98 points in the WHL last year with the Winnipeg ice. And once he's ready to go, like the, Surely the Sabres are going to break out of this soon, right? I hope so, man. Like We've talked about this on the show before, how much we want the Sabres to be good. And I think they're on the right path, man. Like, it's just, it's very funny how, like, your perspective of a GM can change in, like, three years because it went from three years ago where, what's his name? Why am I blanking on his name? The GM for the Sabres. The one now? Yeah. Kevin Adams. Kevin Adams. I I wanted to say Kevin Adams, but I, I couldn't get him. Like three years ago, we thought that this guy was going to get fired and he was a terrible GM. And now it's three years later and you're like, this dude's hit on every pick so far yeah. that he's made. He's done a great job. And I thought that pick at 13 was great for them. Uh, a team that I didn't expect to get a steal was the Rangers, but they got yeah. at 23. That's a phenomenal pick yeah, for them. I saw I, that one too. But was, th- that's what we talked about with Adam. There's going to be those types of players who should have gone top 10 and like, 85% of other drafts, but this draft was so good that some of these good players were going to follow the good teams. Yeah. Like I, I pretty much had the Rangers penciled in as like, they're going to take like just the tallest person available yeah. left in the draft. And I think it was actually the, the wild that ended up doing that with by getting Charlie Strommel, who's just big and not much else. So it's nice that the wild are finally missing on some of their picks. Oh, you can't really say it. Cause didn't we want the abs to take Charlie Strommel? <laughs> I mean, I read a little more and then I changed my mind. I mean, that's yeah. that's how learning works. I might yep, come on a podcast, spread some misinformation, and then uh, read, be like, ah, never mind, and then never share that with anybody. So that's yeah. the, that's the joys the, of not really knowing what I'm talking about sometimes. The Blues but, got Brandon Yeager, right? Was it the Blues who got him? That was the Penguins. The Penguins. Yeah. How much did that suck? Uh, I didn't like it. I mean, <laughs> the, Blue, the Blues got Dvorsky, which is a good pick for them, uh, and they got Otto Stenberg, which was decent pick and uh theo lindstein who i think is a reach so blues they did okay with their three picks yeah i i just love you talked about this earlier and it's like we're saying this now and in five years we're just going to look back on this and be like why were we judging 18 year old kids and giving like that's my favorite thing we do in drafts is we give these players like these teams grades just based off the prospects they picked and it's like what are you guys like what what are we doing we have no idea what these kids are going to be like some of them are still growing yeah i know this will never happen but i'm always going to be a proponent of you probably shouldn't be getting drafted until you're 2021 
I actually like that rule. I yeah. do. I, I get why they do it in the NHL because it's there's so many like leagues that you can you draft would, you from. Would have, you would have to fundamentally change the entire system of hockey in yeah. order to make that work from the NHL all the way down to juniors. But I just I've always found it so strange that you are drafting these kids like some of them like just turned 18, like yeah. just barely turned 18. They're three years away from being able to legally have a drink. And you are putting such absurd expectations on them and being like, this is what this player is going to be forever. They are not going to change. They're not going to grow. There's just so much still left to be determined about these guys. I just think it's so strange that you throw them in there at such a young age. And if a guy isn't good by 20, bust. I'm 22. I cannot even fathom the idea of playing in the NHL. It's it's just one of those things. Like I actually don't mind that rule of like they can't get drafted until they're 18 or 21. I actually – because that's what makes the NFL draft so great is these guys come in and they immediately help your team. Right. Because they're – It would make the draft a lot more interesting. But it's also like you look at drafts in the NHL, it's like – you really don't look at anything by position because these guys are probably three to four years away from ever touching the ice for you anyway. Yeah, because it's like, think about it, because now if it was 21, Lafreniere would be 21 this year? I think, yeah. Yeah, because he got drafted in 2020. So he'd be 21 this year. Like, would he still be the top overall pick? Like, it, it's an interesting question. Maybe he would have developed properly. Yeah. Like, it, it. it's one of those ones where I'm – I actually had never thought about that, but that's a really good point, dude. Like that's a it's really, never, really I mean, good point. It's never going to happen. No. The, the amount of things that would need to change in hockey from the top down would be such an effort that it's just it almost isn't even worth it. Yeah. But it would be I think it would be I just think the way we do it is strange. And I agree. 18, I think it's just is way too young to yeah. be just determining these kids futures and just for their sake, putting all these expectations on them that like you got two years and then you're a bust. And if you play one year in the NHL at 20 and you score 10 points, you, you should stick your entire career in the ECHL. You're terrible. Yeah, it it is. It would be, I imagine it actually like, it would be better for the game because these guys would come in and they could immediately be like, there's obviously the anomalies, like the Connor Bedards, the Sidney Crosby's like, right. But like, how often are they? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's a yeah. generational player to do that. Like even look at Nathan McKinnon, one of the best players in the NHL didn't break out until he was what? 22, 23. Yeah. Like it, it takes, it takes a minute for some, yeah. like for normal human beings to fully grow into their body. But I mean, anyway, I think we should probably transition off of this one a little more, a full hard right turn. I was going to make a joke. Once I mentioned Dalibor Dvorsky, did you see uh, the greatest tweet of all time earlier? No, I don't think I did. Let me see it. So after the Dvorsky pick, it was a tweet today saying, Dvorsky is what hockey bros call it when their parents split up. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Touche. That one one got a laugh out of me. I thought that I like that one. Didn't Bonk get drafted by the Flyers? He did. I may have to buy that jersey, dude. Damn, I was a little disappointed. Like even if he's not going to be the best, Oliver Bonk, are you kidding me? Yeah, that that's pretty cool. I I think I'm going to have to buy that jersey just because it says Bonk on it. But uh, before we wrap, we probably should mention some more important Avs news before we get too lost in it. Uh, JT Comfer will be a UFA 
Dude, did that happen today? That happened today, right after the Colts trade. Jesus Christ, man. Not a huge surprise, especially after acquiring Ross Colton, but JT Comfer will not be back to the team next season. He's been here for a little bit. Probably going to go get a decent chunk of change, probably from the Blackhawks. But dude, I saw one that the Red Wings are going to offer him like five years, twenty-eight million. Where'd you see that? Twitter. What, from who? Uh, Clutch Point. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, I think it was Clutch Point. I'll sure. find it. But yeah, um, they are apparently they're good. Five years, twenty-eight point five. I will very quickly try to do that math. Five point seven. Yeah. I'm just that's what I read again that's from the internet so we have no idea but yeah I mean Comfort this is not a surprise I don't think we need to go too in depth on this we've talked about this for a while just played out his part here and now the abs are fully restructuring their centers by getting Colton there's no need for Comfort here especially at that money anymore and Colton's going to be cheaper but the one younger and younger and but the one that kind of surprised me a little bit is Dennis Mulgan is not even going to be qualified as an RFA and he's going to become an unrestricted free agent and it's confused me at first, then people made the good point of he's arbitration eligible and probably would have had a good case to probably get more money than we can afford. Yeah, because he was at what, like a 20 goal pace with the abs or something like that. I think I saw Evan tweeted about that. Yeah, like he's on and he was well enough. I didn't even think about arbitration played well enough that could probably get uh, an arbitration case that's out of our range. Yeah, it, it's I still think he's coming back. I mean, he could, but it's also his qualifying offer is so low that it was below 800000 So the fact that he's not getting qualified at all tells me, uh, no, probably not. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is you can probably find a bunch of Dennis Mulligans in that type of stratosphere. You know what I, I mean, mean? I mean, maybe, but I think Mulligan at least proved that he's a guy that if you could sign him cheap, you can squeeze a good amount of goals out of. In a, you know, he kind of reminds me of Sven Andragetto. That's kind of the vibes I get from him. Yeah, I like that comparison. But, I mean, you got 11 goals out of him in 42 games. But as once he scored once, he finally was able to get yeah. all those to go in. I always liked him as a potential 900,000 option. But if you're looking at an arbitration case around a million and a half, you just you can't. That's way too much money. Yeah. Like, if you're not going to give that extra half million to Eric Johnson, then you're not going to give it to Dennis Mulligan. Yeah. So, I get it. But... It's another thing where it's, you're going to have to find a replacement for that. And very interested to see what the abs are going to do over the next couple of days. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. But it, it's, I feel like we've been doing this show for like four straight days now. So it's going to be like, I, I just have a feeling we're going to have to do another episode tomorrow. I really do. The way things are going, we've had one day <laughs> off of this show for weeks. And right now, it like it is still a weeknight for me. I have work in the morning and it is yeah. 1245 a.m. So, yeah, let's wrap it because I imagine we'll be back here tomorrow. Probably with the way <laughs> things are going with this team. But no matter when we see you, this is going to do it for this edition of the Teledaptist podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you all so very much for tuning in as always. Use promo code TELADAPS, it is, on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at TELADAPS, it is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time. But until then, 
Let's go Avs.